0: Hey friends, Steve here. Before we get started, just a quick note before we jump into things. Mike and I recorded this earlier in the week before there were a few kit reveals from some of the teams in the Challenge Cup, namely Gotham FC and the absolute masterpiece out of Racing Louisville FC. Uh, We don't mention them in the episode for that reason. We do mention some other reveals and we make mention of their brands and we're looking forward to the kit reveals. So we just wanted to make note of that so you know that we actually are in tune and on the pulse with things as far as that goes. We have some other kit reveals as well as we zero in on the event itself uh but yeah thanks with that enjoy our preview for the 2021 challenge cup mwsl nation how are we i know it's been a while i understand soccer fans it's been a minute We've had a lot going on, but we're back and we've got a challenge cup to talk about. We've got more soccer on the horizon. I hope you're just as excited as I am. I, of course, am Steve Schwartzman here, as always, when we do this with our resident soccer savant, Mike McPhee. Mike, I I know it's been a bit of a while, but how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Steve. I'm excited for soccer, half vaccinated, feeling good.
0: Love it. Do I call you an Oregonian or a Washingtonian at this point? In my heart, I'm an Oregonian so okay i mean you're a hop skipping a jump from the, the border anyway essentially everyone mike moved neighborhoods and managed to change states i will not share the address that's not proper let's throw
1: out my address phone number list of my greatest fears
0: can i get the last four of your social while you're at that
1: oh yeah yeah of course
0: awesome but uh either way the allegiance is going to stay the same we're not suddenly going to see you in oil rain colors
1: i'm sorry i Love a lot of their players. I just finished Megan Rapinoe's book. For transparency's sake, I am a that's, devout Thorns fan.
0: Hey, that's respectable, and you still have a team, so good for you. While well, you've got one, keep one. We'll have that discussion later. So, yes. <laughs> Mike, uh, I'm so excited because it's time for Challenge Cup 2, as I'm calling it. Um, that's not what it's Richard formally called. For Challenge Cup? Uh, I was thinking Challenge Cup looking for love, but I like, I like oh. Revenge of the Challenge Cup as well. That- I would watch that. Two Challenge, two Cup also is on the table, and then some other ones. I'm sure there's more uh, out there. But uh, the 2021 Challenge Cup field is now set. We're set up in divisions. There are going to be some key changes to this for anyone who's just getting back into the swing of things and watched the previous Challenge Cup last year. There are some key differences. The 2020 Challenge Cup was at a neutral site uh, in Sandy, Utah, or Harriman, as it were, depending on which game was which. Uh, that will be changing. These will be home and home structures. We have two divisions of five. Each team will play the other four teams in their division. Three points for victory, one point for a draw, zero for a defeat. Uh, And then the highest scoring team from each division will meet together in a final. Pretty simple. There isn't necessarily a formal tournament like previously where the planes organized what the 1-8 through seeds were going to be. If you don't get out of your tournament, you don't go to the final. Pretty simple. So this will be a cool chance for each division to play each other formally, see what points they can grab, and then determine a Challenge Cup winner. So this one's a little more quick, succinct to the point. We are going to get to see each venue, which will be pretty cool, I think. And this, of course, caps off what has been an off season of insurmountable change for the NWSL. And I would ask you, Mike, you're the, the chief historian here. You know uh, the league as well as just about anyone in terms of its history. I, am I too advantageous in saying this could be the most change that the league has experienced from one year to another?
1: This is a wild, wild off season. First of all, we have 10 teams in the league. How about that? It's been like years. It. So we I'll take
0: more even. I'll have I've you know
1: good news. <laughs> so it. we we've got 10 teams in the league. We've got a new team in Louisville. We've got sort of a new team in in Kansas City, new old, moving, whatever you want to call them. There has been a lot of player movement. There's yes. been new owners, new investments, new sponsors, trades, expansion drafts college drafts. It has not been a boring offseason, Steve.
0: No, much many much has happened. Uh a lot fun, some sad, but it's really been a, a lot of movement and it makes predicting this challenge cup about as difficult as anything else because on top of that you're also factoring we have a lot of key players who are currently playing on overseas contracts. We have a lot of players that are going to be preparing for a, a randomly placed Olympics out of nowhere uh, because we're going to have an odd year Olympics for the first time, I think in modern history,
1: there's some uh, national team, us national team friendlies too, that, that conflict yeah. with.
0: So a lot with... of lead up. Uh, so this will be an interesting chance to really see a lot of these, a lot of players on stages that very similar to last year's challenge cup. We saw a lot of players take the stage in situations they didn't really get to previously. So I think it's really going to make for some fun matchups. And obviously, we have a lot of change to cover. There's a lot that's gone in the offseason. I think we'll very naturally touch on a lot of that as we dive into this. My thought process is let's go ahead and dive right into it. So as we set the stage, as we said, there are two divisions. The way this is set up, pretty basic, east-west. On the west side, we have uh, the Chicago Red Stars, Houston Dash, Kansas City. More news as it comes on if they'll actually have a name or a branding structure. All I know is Teal is involved somewhere in the mix uh the all rank portland thorns heading over to the east we have got uh racing louisville fc the courage orlando pride washington spirit and sky blue fc excuse me gotham city fc Breaking,
1: breaking news this week no more sky blue fc
0: so we're gonna start with the east we're gonna go sun sunrise to sunset we're gonna start with the east and we're just gonna kick it off right here because if there's anything i'm excited to talk about it's a new branding structure my friend uh yeah it was announced just the week that we're recording this uh that officially sky blue fc is now gotham city fc they have experienced a uh, full-on rebranding structure a new identity, a new look and feel, a color scheme, which was sort of hinted at. There was a small portion uh, toward fall fall play last year where Sky Blue's logo suddenly changed to a blackened seafoam type look, very similar to to the New York Liberty in the WNBA. And then out of nowhere, I don't recall there being much buildup or leaning on this the announcement was made on their twitter gotham city fc they of course had a really fantastic rollout and announcement behind all this and new look new logo they technically are also incorporating new york new jersey so they're the new jersey new york sorry new jersey new york that was a big deal to a lot of garden staters that new jersey went first and technically that's alphabetically sound as well so we can't fault that too heavily not that we would fault it at all
1: but. this is a big deal as well the the geography of it because if you remember not too long ago this was a team that was struggling they were underfunded they had poor facilities and it was coming out how how bad the conditions were for these players players were opting to go overseas rather than play for this team but in the last two or three years there has been a total transformation yes. and i give complete credit to to the management to the coaching staff and there's been a complete culture change because this was a team that was that didn't even have facilities in piscataway new jersey and now Mm -hmm. they're covering new jersey new york one of the biggest markets in in the country and at least before pandemic they were they were filling stadiums for the first time they have amazing talent on the field They've just done this rebrand. I think the transformation of the Sky Blue of the past to Gotham City FC is phenomenal. I mean, yep. as a, Thorns will always be my team, but I can't help cheer for this narrative because this has been a complete turnaround. And, I, you know, one yeah. of their best players, Midge Purse, I saw her at the White House not too long ago arguing was for, awesome. uh, for equal pay. So. Yeah. No, I think I think they are doing everything right. I'm yes. I'm so excited for this team.
0: No, absolutely. I think this shows a sign of investment that those who have been a fan of the league and have been a fan of Sky Blue uh, should be very excited about it. Seeing a certain level of emotional investment we may not have seen in a long time. On top of that, the brand is so clean, and I think that that supports it. I, you know, my one take on it is the shield utilizes the Statue of Liberty iconography, which obviously leans a little bit more New York than New Jersey. That said, I do think it plays into the Gotham theming well, if that makes sense. I love the play, the design play with the new, the emblem, the lettering uh, where they bracketed the NY. First of all, they went with the lowercase Y, which really bugged Jason, one of our producers at WNBA Nation, uh, because we have a capital with lowercase, but they did it so that they could break out that the bracket on the Y, so it also can read NJ while it reads NY, which I thought was a genius move.
1: Sorry, sorry to Jason, but yeah, I was a fan.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a good strategic move. It plays really well on both sides, and I, I really liked that they were able to utilize that side of it. It's a clean look. It's a good silhouetted look. You know what you're looking at right as you see it. It plays to merch really well because simple designs play to merch really well. As a matter of fact, I just went to their website. Their uh, top line, um, all their current rollout of adult size items with Gotham FC, their two T-shirts and their hoodie are at low stock. So they'll be sold out before long, often a very strong sign for them. This is now one of those teams when you look at their brand, the first thing you're like is, man, I want to see what these kits look like, because I think they have a chance to do some cool stuff there. Just all around, uh, just I'm I'm a huge fan of the move. I think the name is just awesome. It's a cool name. It's one of those things that really just ties to people. It speaks really well to the area. So I like that they embrace much of that. This is a team that, you know, similar to Racing Louisville, uh, found a way to encapsulate their market really, really well and create a brand that lands very well. So I'm very happy about that. All of that said, we do need to talk about Gotham FC in terms of them as an actual Oh do they do they,
1: they play football too or just uh... This is what
0: I'm told. Okay. I haven't okay. confirmed those notes. We yet, will see my them on the a- understanding is that this is more than just selling t-shirts they they do actually eventually have to play some soccer and good enough for Gotham FC I think they'll have some fun of that as well because I I was looking through this I really like the roster as it stands some of their key players may not see as much time as others. I'm interested to see how much play Midge Purse is going to get as she's, you know, building, you know, getting prepared, playing in friendlies with, with the WNT team. Um, But overall, I think this is a fun roster that can make a lot of fun noise happen. And they did that. They did that a little bit in last year's challenge cup. And I think I have a chance to expand on that.
1: They made some noise in the challenge cup and in the fall series last year. But this is a team, unlike others, they haven't lost many key players. They There was some switching around with Jennifer Cujo, but she's back. She's an incredible player. Of course, you've got the veteran leadership of McCall Zerboni. And then I know we're both diehard fans of Midge Purse. So when she's mm-hmm. not with the national team, I think she's a natural leader and a very dynamic, versatile. I'm going to call her a defender, but you know, different teams have used her in different ways. She's just that that mm. versatile in her style that she can push forward, but also is an incredible credible defender. So, and then Naomi Kawasumi, there, there's a lot of talent on this team. Ife it's mm. a talented team. I think they could definitely make some noise if not finish at or near the top of their division.
0: I agree. I think there's a high potential for them all around those pieces considered obviously there's going to be a lot to be told they have a lot of players where we're not exactly sure where their situation is you're looking at several players on international contracts obviously on top of mage purse and and company where's kaylin sheridan um you know where's she going to be how often is she you know are we going to have her in goal because that's going to play a huge role but Yeah. yeah we got to watch
1: those canada friendlies for sure
0: yeah exactly so it's one of those scenarios of i think that there is very strong energy there this is a very young team they have the ability to score in many dynamic ways i think they will perform better than many may have them i think a lot of people would look at them as potentially middle ground i could see them in a top tier hard for me to say they have potential to make it out of the uh, division because they have a heck of a lot of uh, interesting competition but I really like what I'm looking at so far. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, we'll talk at the end of all this about where we expect Gotham FC to be, but do you have anything else on their squad you want to hit before you move?
1: There's, there's a few other teams I'd like to at least, at least name drop, but yeah. uh, no, no, this Gotham city FC, I think is one of the biggest stories in the league, not just the division, but who else catches your eye in the East division?
0: I think the only thing that stands out, while their, their roster probably is the strongest of the group, if you look at it on face value, this could be as competitive, as as least daunting as Carolina has looked probably in a long time. And they're probably still the best. But I think there's definitely, when you lo- you're losing Crystal Dunn and company, and you know they, they saw so much more movement than I was expecting, knowing that they were going to have a ton of movement. Because that happens with expansion drafts and very successful teams that's one of the first things that stood out is i think the face value looks like it won't be as competitive but i think it it may open up more than people realize and what part of that is when you look at how much movement carolina saw
1: well yeah north carolina i mean i think we've almost gotten used to the fact that they've dominated the league for several years right two championships Mm -hmm. in a row shield winners they got knocked out early of the challenge cup last year and then kind of underperformed in the fall series but they probably lost more players than any other team you mentioned crystal dunn mm-hmm. which is a huge loss but then they also saw sam muis and abby Dahlkemper go overseas to man city mm-hmm. they lost their uh, amazing goalkeeper in Steph LeBay those are some really key pieces to lose I think Dahl Kemper is maybe the more generic defender as good as she is that like I think their backline will be okay especially I mean they've still they're still anchored by Abby Ersig and they did get a goalkeeper from OL Reign, Casey Murphy who in my opinion is a very underrated goalkeeper I think she's great they also picked yeah. up Taylor Smith, who's an incredible player, but I don't think you can replace players like Crystal Dunn and Sam Mewis. I think both of those are so unique in their style and skill sets that you can't just replace them player for player. So I think I think the courage are going to have to find a different style. That said, they've got a lot of talent. I mean, this just shows how deep they were that they can lose players like that, and still look incredible on paper because they've still got Kristen Hamilton. Lynn Williams has been just getting better and better with the national team. And of course, you've got Dabinia, one of the, one of the best attackers in the world. They they did lose uh, Jaylene Daniels, who went into retirement, which I don't think anybody inside or outside Courage Country was too upset about. But I, I think they're still going to be Great and competitive, but I'm very curious how how they adapt their style to losing those irreplaceable players. And one thing I wanted to mention, Steve, I wanted your take on this because this is this is an off-the-field development. But as you know, we've we've seen mm. a continued wave of support and investment for the women's game um, for several years now. One of the most interesting developments was that tennis legend Naomi Osaka is now an owner of the Courage. Now now what it what, what were your thoughts on that development?
0: Well, I think it's a huge banner move for uh women's soccer in general. And, I mean, obviously Osaka has already proved that she can, you know, beat Serena on the court. Now can she beat her in the front office? Uh <laughs> with Serena and and company over at, uh, Angel City. But I think it's huge because this is, this is the type of investment that we've needed in many women's leagues for a long time. Now uh, we're seeing this with Renee Montgomery buying into the Atlanta dream in the Mm -hmm. WNBA and obviously a lot of onslaught of players with angel city. I think this is huge because it's, it's almost more about optics than anything else. That ability to say that this product is not just important. We talk so much about how important the, the WNBA, the NWSL and the NWHL and company are. This sells excitement. This sells, this is why it's why it matters, why it's exciting, why it's something worth investing in. And so yeah to me this is something that will actually have more of a long-term effect than people might realize.
1: She's she's proving that the support is there. I I love that I love her interest and investment. She's a great player on the tennis court, but to see her get involved in the soccer world is really exciting. So so yeah, I was happy mm-hmm. to see that a couple more um, shout-outs in the east that I that I wanted to mention and talk to you about Steve. Number one was our newest team. The newest addition to the league is Racing Louisville. We had Mm -hmm. the expansion draft. They They got some great players. They got some interesting selections. I think their first move might have been their best, getting World Cup winning architect Yuki Nagasato and attacker uh, Savannah McCaskill from from Chicago. They added quite, quite a bit of other talent, but then they also bet pretty big on players like Alana Kennedy and then the big ones, national team players, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. And we have no indication that they're actually going to report or play for racing. Now, do you think they struck out? I mean, if they ever decide to come back to the NWSL, Louisville has those rights, they can trade, they can use them on the field. What do you think yeah. as of now, as of challenge cup? Cuz cuz I think that was a big bet that hasn't paid off yet. Um do you think they can put together a decent team with without that talent? I mean, not to say that they don't have talent, but certainly not what they had hoped for. Do you think they can put together a squad or do they need some time to get established?
0: I definitely think this was a calculated move. In my mind, I feel like they had to know they were drafting Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, knowing they were certainly not going to see them in 2021. That was like, if nothing else, that was definitely not going to happen, if ever. Now, is there a case where I could see, for instance, a Kristen Press show up and say, hey, I'm going to play, but you're trading me to Angel City? Yeah, that's very possible in my mind. Do I see a scenario where other moves are made? Yeah, but I think what they drafted was variable value. And what I mean by that is either we are able to get the stars to align, and now two of the best players in the world are on our squad, or we just acquired some of the most tempting trade value in the entire league. And we can build even more in their head. I think they go, you know, this limits us from 14 to 12 picks or whatever. But in our mind, we could end up with 18 picks by the time we all said and done because of what we could potentially get back for these players. So I think that they, they're seeing a chance to leverage that and they had to know they were not going to see much play that said how they drafted around those players was extremely well-skilled Yuki and McCaskill, fantastic pickups. You know, I like millet as an addition. I, you know, I think overall I really enjoy what this roster Looks like I remember when you and I did a mock draft on racing, and it looked very different than what it looks like now. Um, and I like there's more than what I I was pitching. <laughs> they did not consider our input, and that's perfectly respectable. I don't know that they'll necessarily be highly successful this first go around, but Louisville is definitely making it known that they want to be more than just a traditional expansion team that kind of sits in the back of the room, and that's huge. They definitely have made it clear that they're intentional with everything that they're doing because that's why they took back their full on brand. When they announced their original branding as proof Louisville, they legitimately redacted all of that. They rebranded, they reinvested in something that works. And then they went on to these moves. And I think that's sending a message to me that they really want to come in and make some serious noise. And will that subvert straight to wins? To me, it's hard to tell, but I, I really 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 like the moves that they made. As far as setting a foundation, I think they set a great foundation and it provided them the risk to say, let's go ahead and draft two of these stars and just see if we can finagle it and if we can't, we may still end up getting some good kickback for it. That's
1: that's a good point. I I, I think foundation is is a good word for it. I think they've got enough talent that they can hold their own. I mean, they've got a solid goalkeeper in Michelle Betos. They've got um some good talent in the midfield and of course those two attackers that we mentioned so i i think they've they've got enough on their roster that they can hold their own but i agree with you i think they're building a foundation both on and off the field for future success which is really important for the sustainability of a new team so and, yes. in that regard i i like it i don't fit, i don't expect them to you know win their division but i i like what they're doing
0: definitely no i totally agree as far as anything else that you wanted to call it obviously we're, we're not going to see rose lavelle in washington um the Jeez. orlando pride rolled out and uh, one of the more daring yeah uh yeah come on city come on <laughs> blue moon do it we're caroline we're just my favorite soccer player i don't know if anyone knows this. she's my favorite but in fact uh mike does know this because you you've got me I a do. super cool you sent me that card in the mail, the Carolina weird card that I almost called a stamp because it's sort of the size of a stamp, but okay, it's okay, awesome. There's
1: a, there's a story behind this. Listeners yes. probably don't care. I'm gonna tell it anyway
0: because I in, love in, this thing.
1: In, in my forays onto you know the the World Wide web, I, I found this uh, site eBay, I think it's called eBay,
0: and, and yeah, something I, like that eBay, I, something like that. It's, it's, it's something
1: anyway. I knew I knew Steve's favorite player was Caroline Weir. I'm a big fan as well, but I I found this this really cool portrait of her, and so I thought Steve would love this. Let's let's surprise Steve. So I purchased it. When it had arrived, I had gotten the impression it was much bigger, you know, like life size, poster size, even like baseball card size. The thing was tiny. I mean, just. Minuscule little thing. Great player, small picture, and so so I I, I felt I bad about that. What, I what I still stuck it in the mail. Yeah. and um, you know, hope it was to your viewing pleasure. But yeah, I I it didn't meet expectations, but you know, not to diminish. I believe
0: what it might actually be. It's a headshot from the 2019 World Cup for for Team Scotland, and I believe it's from the it's it's for a World Cup sticker book potentially oh i don't know if uh add that to your you sticker know, I, I obviously haven't said seen... yeah sticker books aren't as uh aren't as prevalently popular in the u.s as they are overseas so i don't know the status of a women's sticker book there should be if they're not but based on what i saw because it definitely has a sticker feel to it which is why i almost call the stamp so i get the feel that that it's something from that but yeah it's, it's a really cool portrait from the 2019 world cup love caroline Weir, big man city fan and it's not just because i love droid division and the smiths but when I found out when I found out Johnny Marr was uh, was, you know, the guitarist, the Smiths was a Man City fan and not a Man U fan. That helped uh, my allegiance as I was picking a Premier League team. Also, apparently, Ian Curtis, also Man City fan. True. Right. I'm glad we could have that break. Let's go ahead and do, a, a, I guess, an overarching feel on the East. Obviously, there's a lot of teams with with strong talent. We have probably the more competitive teams that I've seen a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of change. When all is said and done, do you have a prediction in your mind who you think is coming out of the division?
1: Hmm. Great question. You know, we didn't mention the Orlando Pride or the Washington spirit. Um, I think there's a lot of Yeah, we
0: we talked we did talk about I, the spirit a little that I think the biggest thing that hits them is not having Lavelle. Orlando's got Orlando, a lot of, they
1: they have new kits, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. They they had kind of a space race with Houston, and I'm gonna give the win to Orlando. Their new kids I think are, they cool. won. They did yeah. a whole... Orlando they, is
0: fun it, for
1: they, a white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A ton of talent in Orlando. I think they'll lose a lot to the national team. And this is a team that's so talented but hasn't been able to put it into success on the field. We saw some improvement in the fall series. They got a couple draws against the Courage, which was impressive. I would love to see them improve, but I don't know that they come out of the division. I think my pick is going to be the Courage. Who's your pick?
0: That's essentially where I sit right now. As I look through these, Carolina makes no sense. I think at this point, for, for starters, if you're probably looking at who's the best player on the field in any matchup, it probably is Lynn Williams at this point, just based off her performance over the last year, I think makes a lot of sense there. I feel like you have a team in Louisville that's going to be talented, but they're obviously going to be setting groundwork as an expansion team. The Spirit obviously have a grand amount of talent to play off of, but it does really hurt losing potentially their two best players for the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's tough. I, I'd see them potentially second or third as far as Washington looks. And and they also did have some key pickups. You have Kelly O'Hara on it. They, you know, they have some new pieces to potentially boast that all said as I look at it, the Courage just make the most sense as far as this is considered. I'd say if there was one team that could mess around with that, I think there's something brewing in Gotham, and I think they'll be a really competitive squad. That said, yeah, I'd I'd probably take Carolina in this instance as well.
1: Should we head west, young man?
0: Yes, we're going to head to – oh, very nice. Um, We're going to head west to the Sunset and talk about the, the second half of squads. I'd probably say this might be the more competitive of the division's very much potentially we talked yeah. to one elephant in the room when we started the East, we might as well start it a little bit with the West because I haven't had a chance to formally discuss one of the more heartbreaking elements of the end of my 2020, which was seeing Utah Royals FC make their way back to Kansas city. I feel very terrible for the community in Utah because I think we had a very good thing going. I believe the numbers say second in attendance, We were building a really strong community, supporting a lot of young girls soccer players who finally had players and teams to relate to. There was really something happening here. And it's very unfortunate that this move didn't happen due to a wane in fan support or any sort of financial crisis or anything of that level. It was because of the jaded, hateful nature of an owner who couldn't stomach the thought of players making a very simple gesture to note to the world that Black Lives Matter. And that ended in what I believe to be a spiteful move that ended up seeing the team leave town. Now, that's not to put anything against Kansas City as a market. Uh, Obviously, there's some excitement behind getting a team back in the area. They seem to, to have a lot of energy toward that. But it's unfortunate. There's a high potential that we may see a team back in Utah in the coming years. There is an agreement locked in with that change that uh, as the sale of the MLS team, um, Real Salt Lake happens that they have the ability to essentially re-engage those discussions and bring a team back to Utah. I would imagine that has a high potential happening, just looking at the success we had with Royals FC, there's high potential there. But that said, just we're not going to talk about this team because they're not currently listed. I, you know, I'm I'm Los Angeles born and raised. Royals FC is actually one of the first teams since I've moved to the state of Utah for work that I've embraced, but I just I might as well formally put it in the hat now, you know, Mike. We're I think we're very objective. We love talking about the league as a whole, but you're very much through and through a, a Portland Thorns FC fan, and my hat is in the Angel City ring. They've they've given me reason to believe. So until then, uh, I'm just here to watch good soccer. But I think my heart's forever going to be with a community that didn't need to lose a franchise that meant a lot to them. So that sucks.
1: I feel for the the fans, the community, and the players. This because none of this was their fault, and I I really hope that that Kansas City rallies around this team. There's still some great players: Amy Rodriguez, uh, Lola Bonta, Desiree Scott. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent here. They did lose um, some key players from that Royals roster. Sierra King, who was just that such a promising rookie, is now on OL Reign. Uh, Gunny Yon's daughter, I believe, scored the first goal ever in Royals history. is is now with the Orlando Pride. With the circumstances of the move, and I mean, they they picked up a couple players in the college draft. I don't have high expectations on the field, but I hope that it's. I hope that the community rallies around them and they get the support that they
0: deserve. Yeah, definitely. There's no reason for any of these players or personnel to get any negative kickback for everything that went no. down here. No. And um it's going to be an uphill battle just because when you look at the level of talent that was lost and the fact that transitioning to a new market, albeit a market they were previously in, but transitioning to a new market is always a tough thing especially in the same year um because of that there's going to be some additions and as I said like if this were to happen if this was a neutral zone site type of setup, it actually might really benefit Kansas city really well. Whereas now, you know, it kind of feels like they, you know, that transition we'll have to see what level of home advantage they can take. And I don't know how much home advantage any team's going to have. It's going to, It's really no telling what the fan structure is going to look like for teams. That all said, you know, we've talked about it over and over again. There's good young talent potentially there. But I mean, they lost a lot of those pieces that we were taking hope in. You know, Sierra King was going to, in my opinion, be there is going to be the next great one of the next great stars of women's soccer and you have that in play, and then and that moves on. So you know, Amy Rodriguez is due for a good blow up. I'm a huge Lola Bonta fan, and she'll be one of my favorites for the long haul. Uh, and I think she'll be taking on more of a of a high leadership role, which is good. I don't necessarily see Kansas City performing too highly this year. I think there's just a lot of pieces that are missing.
1: The West is just yes. so competitive too.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's what it is. They're paired with the opponents they're going to have to face off with. It's going to be really tough. So I think it's going to be tough to see them pulling in enough of all the points to make this thing interesting. And that's frustrating. That said, as a Kansas City fan, you should, I think, take heart, hope that you're able to hold on to some of these core pieces because there is a lot to build off of. Um, And get involved in the ground on
1: the ground floor, you know, from the get go, because when I mean, that's that's the thing I love the most about being a Thorns fan is the community. And when you when you have a new team, this was something that the Royals did so well when they came to town is that, you know, they built it, that fan community from the ground up, they built their own culture, they built their own fan base. And, and it, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. Whether yeah. you're winning or losing, you're you're part of something special in your city. So yeah, let's Please. let's let's jump into into some other teams in the West because there's some big ones. Uh, do you want to talk
0: Rain? All Rain? No, All Rain had one of the most beneficial off seasons we've seen from any team in some time. We've already talked about um, Sarah King joining ranks.
1: Yeah, they they lost their goalkeeper Casey Murphy to the courage. And then so and then they lost their other goalkeeper, Michelle Beatos, to Louisville. So their goalkeeper, their their the net is wide open. But then, and this was sort of under the radar, but they signed veteran English goalkeeper Karen Bardsley. This is this is a huge signing. She's she's this phenomenal international goalkeeper. So they're solid in that position. Their roster has this really fascinating mix of great veteran players, Megan Rapinoe, Allie Long, but then some really good young talents, Sophia Huerta, Bethany Balser, Sierra King. So it's this really interesting generational mix, if you want to call it that. But I think this could be an extremely talented squad, not to mention the fact that their ownership group. Uh, Lyon in France several of their players went and trained in Lyon in the offseason with you know possibly the best club in Europe so this is already paying some some big dividends for them not just the not just financially but the training opportunities and the recruiting opportunities so yes team to watch in the future but I think they've got an
0: exciting roster now Absolutely. I couldn't agree more on that. I think that there is a strong nest of talent here. Obviously, there's a handful of players that we don't exactly know how much we'll see in them. Meg Rupino is listed on this roster. We obviously didn't see her in Challenge Cup last year. She has played in some WNC friendlies. But I wonder if picking up these youngs in Sierra King and company is very much a part of trying to recruit players like Megan Rapinoe to to try to be a part of the Challenge Cup wherever they can because if you want to talk about the perfect mentor mentee relationship, it's right there and I think that's a great situation for both of those players to be in. So even if we don't see here take on much pitch time, just to be able to play in a mentorship role like that is going to be huge for them. I do love that mentor mentee like that mix they have of veterans and young and young legs is very strong. I personally, you know, the narrative of this show is that I'm very much the student here. I didn't know much about Karen Bardsley until you really noted it to me and if you have to lose Casey Murphy this is Definitely a great peg to fill that hole. So I think that puts them in a really strong place. The All-Rain are going to be huge players in these standings. How They're very much going to play a large role in how the one, the one through five end up in the West. They're They're certainly on that short list of a team that could very potentially make their way out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I kind of want to get your take on the reigning Challenge Cup champions, Steve, the Houston Dash. They didn't lose a lot of players in the offseason, not a, not a lot of movement, so pretty stable roster. Is this a team that could have even gotten better since they sort of got the underdog win in the last Challenge Cup?
0: I mean, I would say so. Just the confidence of being able to pick up Where they left off, they were not on a lot of short lists to win the Challenge Cup. And there they did it. And they did it in very exciting fashion. So I think it has that. Gabby Saylor is a phenomenal acquisition out of Portland. That really adds to their mix really well. A lot of people are talking about Rachel Daly being available, and that's great. I'm more than anything excited for what Shea Groom is going to do because I think Groom is very much on the precipice of becoming one of the elite players in this league, one of the top faces of the NWSL. And this is going to be a potential stage to do it. I think they have gotten, I think they've very much potentially improved. What's going to be tough for Houston is I think a lot of teams in their division also improved by a large margin. Matchup wise, how's it going to play out for them? Because they did catch a little bit of luck with some of their matchup structures when it came to. Uh, last year's challenge cup they they want to they won the challenge cup because they deserve to win it by no means am i trying to say they shouldn't have but i think that the matchups they're going to be paired with are are going to make it a much more difficult road for them should they make their way back out there so it'll be interesting that's- to see where they take that but yeah i mean it, to, to retain what they were able to retain in a year when a lot of teams saw a ton of changes is, is a strong point for them
1: that's that's a really good point probably their best player rachel daly has been playing this off-season. She, she's been playing in, in the UK in the Super League. Um, so that helps when maybe other players are a little bit rusty, having not played in six-plus months. Mm-hmm. Also, Christy Mewis has been a breakout star on the national team. I think she just continues mm-hmm. to get better and, better. and she's one of their key players coming back. And then, like you mentioned, the addition of Gabby Seiler in on the defensive end is a very solid move for them i
0: said sailor i meant siler i that's oh, on no, me no, uh, no, i messed no, no. up
1: oh you're you're fine um like <laughs> you said i totally all of agree. us
0: all of us in the WNBA community just went through the airy mcdonald situation so now i i'm trying to come correct with you know? ari it's ari <laughs> it's it's no it's airy not ari like that's how she ended oh, it's her Aerie, and, not ari. and she was so <laughs> She was so nervous too. It's funny because when you look at it, it makes sense because Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, like it's it makes sense, Ari. So uh, but a lot of us just jump straight to Ari. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because people who say caramel and caramel and who knows, maybe that that weirdly was the, uh, the field that I made. So sorry, yeah, yeah, Siler. Um that said, I think the, the talent level plays a good role here. I'm interested to see how this matchup fares with them because just every match is going to be an interesting one. I think for Houston, I think they beat Kansas city, but when you look at the dash rain dash thorns dash stars, it's all going to be an uphill piece for them. And that's going to be interesting. So I don't know if we'll see as much magic out of them. Mewis's rise uh, on the WNT is also huge, but hopefully they're willing to give her enough, you know, pitch time to be impactful. But I look at someone with that much rise if I'm going to Natsuki, I might look at that and be like, we're going to limit those minutes. Because uh, the last thing we need is you getting hurt leading up to the Olympics. So I'm interested to see where that all goes. Yeah, you want to talk Portland? I think you've held What's off talking the about the bandits of the Portland Thorns FC just <laughs> souping up one of the best players in the world. It's bandits. Yeah. How, how how could they you made say out- that
1: to me? I mean, just because we have Becky Sauerbrunn and Crystal Dunn, I mean, that's... Bandits made out
0: like absolute bandits y'all did uh and you shouldn't be even the least bit bashful about it you should be extremely excited about the fact that i mean this the on face value the eye test this roster is capital s capital t stacked uh you might have the most stout defense in the league Uh, i mean christine sinclair might be like your fourth best scorer and, and she uh, is, that in
1: itself she holds the record for most goals of yeah. any man or woman in, in the world
0: um, you know you have hero morgan weaver just sitting at the end of this roster like it's yeah
1: yeah yeah I yeah think... talk, talk to me man okay okay so i, I love my thorns mm-hmm. very deep roster the addition of crystal dunn is huge i talked about this with the courage but she is The biggest question with her is where to use her because she can play anywhere. She could play goalkeeper as far as I'm aware, but I mean, because she's got the speed to be just a lethal attacker, but then also she's a ruthless defender. She pushes the ball forward quickly. I mean, impossible to defend. The addition of Crystal Dunn, I think is huge. And I'm excited to see how she meshes a defense anchored by Becky Sauerbrunn is Always pretty impenetrable. I'm not trying to be biased here, but on, on on paper, I think this looks like the best team in the league. The question for Portland in the Challenge Cup is: How does this team look when your national team players get called up? Because when you have to play without Lindsey Horan, Sophia Smith, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn, Crystal Dunn, you know, I I think I think that looks very different without your national team players. I think they've got the depth that they can make it work, but are they st- are are they still that elite team without those key players? That's that's my biggest mm-hmm. question for them. Like I said, on paper, arguably the best in the league. We'll we'll see how they mesh on the pitch, but but I think you look at that roster and it's scary. So we'll we'll, we'll see how they cope with the national team departures. But we, we did see uh, you know Gabby Siler, who was a great defender. Head to Houston. We did see the retirement of of the Great Brit Eckerström and Goal, the hero of the 2020 Challenge Cup, for me. Yeah, but yeah, it's an exciting time as a Thorns fan. I'll say
0: that. I think the big question I've got for the Thorns at this point is: Do you just repurpose those 2020 kits, or are they really going to try and go with something different? Because I see no reason to change up what they rolled out in 2020. It was possibly that black jersey might be the best look in soccer i'm wearing mine uh, now in 2020 and i wasn't a full-on believer at first when they first launched and then i mean the second i saw them on the pitch it was just yeah that's the best look i
1: think what- we're talking kits i think you have to make an argument for portland for chicago and for orlando i think those are my top three and you know those always seem to be the top tier in terms of their aesthetic.
0: Yeah, they tend to mess I, around I, 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 I a lot. I think they, I think Gotham is going to give you a run for your money. Gotham's going to give you a I run. I've got to say,
1: the Courage made a big improvement. I did not like their their past kits, but their new ones huge improvement.
0: This is, a, this is a heavy improvement. Yes. One of the better white kits, actually, the Lee. I really like the stripe pattern that they have, like the peaking pattern on the white kits, which is really cool. I still don't love the two-tone shoulders. Just have everything be one color with the blue. But even then, it's a better look. It's a it's a big uptick for them. They pretty much don't play on much red at all, which is interesting. Uh, that said, yeah, I, I like where they improved. And heads up, if you're a WNBA fan listening to this, by now, this may have already happened, but April 8th is uh, the rumored release of this new uni setup with the city looks and everything for the WNBA looks that have already been leaked. And a couple of us will have words on that too. So there'll be a lot of uniform talk coming Excited. up. Going up and down. I mean, we really haven't had a chance to talk Chicago, I think is really the end of it.
1: I mean, they did well in the Challenge Cup last year, but there, there's been some changes. They, they lost Yuki and McCaskill in the expansion draft. But they also added uh, Mal Pugh, who was just a really quick attacker. I think they needed that. Um, that will that will give a really, really good help in the attacking third to uh, Kalia Ohi or Kalia Watt, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm optimistic. I think they'll be competitive I think that they're relatively stable, just except for those changes that I mentioned. And I, Rory Dames now is, I believe, the uh, longest run, only original coach from the inaugural NWSL season. And so he's yeah. he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. No, you know, really? Chicago's always competitive. If I'm if I'm a Red Stars fan, I'm not worried. I hate to see Yuki go, but... I, I mean, think if you're, you're going
0: gonna... to get Mal Pugh out of it, that's not too bad. Yeah, she's, um,
1: Mal, Mal Pugh will add a, a lot of much-needed speed to your attack. I yeah. mean, they, they still have a really talented midfield. Morgan Gautreau, uh Danny Calaprico, not to mention the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. women's national team. And yes. Annalisa Nair, they're a very deep Talented team.
0: This is a similar situation we talked about with uh Carolina and Portland, which is uh where things stand with them when these US players and when these international players prep for Olympic competition. And this unfortunately is one of those rosters that probably is gonna be more heavily affected than the other two. And that's where it's gonna be tough for Chicago to maintain. That said, when it comes to challenge cup play, if they're able to maintain that talent, they have some chance to be competitive. Uh, very similar to last year's challenge Cup because they were coming out of a year where they lost sam kerr they formed over what a lot of people expected but they should have expected it when you look at the talent level they have once again the red stars are just the wild card of this division you just really they could really come out swinging and they could potentially fall flat it's going to be hard to tell.
1: this this is a tough division big question marks around the national team players when they're there when they're not so i i think they're on a similar page as portland
0: i like that all right so we both have the courage uh, coming out of the east when we head over westward on the pacific end when all said and done who do you see coming out of the west division
1: i'm gonna pick portland but it was a hard choice there's no easy matches for these teams largely this is this is a tough a tough road i think houston could surprise people i think chicago could surprise people my second choice honestly would be the rain
0: I, it's interesting because I, I'm probably going to take the rain as I look at it. And the reason I say that is because if I look at any of these teams, who do I think has the power in them to take down Portland? And it probably would be the rain potentially if the matchups work. Yeah. And so if the math helps them there and you can take some points out of Portland's pocket and into your own, they'll benefit from that. So right now I would potentially take the rain. So that moves us to the, the overall final prediction. So we both have a similar team and a differing team. So, in a Portland Courage final, or should we, ooh, should we make this fun and do an end of deal or no deal where we have to predict each other's finals? You know, at the <laughs> end of deal or no deal, you can switch cases. Should we switch okay. cases okay. and pick each other's okay. finals? That's fun. That's fun. I like that. I'll go first. I went second on the division calls. I'm actually, I would take Portland over the Courage in this matchup. I think Portland is chomping. Well, you know they they did it last year in the Challenge Cup, and I think they're chomping at the bit to say now we want to do it with some real impunity. So that's there's a where history I see it there.
1: Crystal Dunn has switched sides. You know people people can talk Portland's Portland and OL Reign being you know the Cascadia rivalry. I think this is the biggest rivalry in the NWSL in my opinion. But I'm also yes. taking Portland.
0: Awesome. So OL Reign and the Courage should that matchup take place? Who do you got? i'm taking rain see in that case i would take the courage i think the rain are weirdly cursed against caroline (laughs) because i mean they had possibly if you want to talk about the the biggest heartbreaking loss of the challenge cup last year they surrendered a a defeating goal was it like the 87th minute yeah i mean it's like the 89th minute i think even it was very late i remember it being very heartbreaking it might have been earlier than that i'd have to look back but i remember it being one of those late goals and again, a when you look at it defensively, I felt like the rain were the better team from top to bottom of that entire performance, and if they have just gotten one in goal to pay off it would have worked for them. but it, it ended up not so that was an interesting case as I look at it but interesting developments, obviously, it proves to be anything close to last year. We're unfortunately not going to have a playground that I'm aware of and all of the other goodness that people I'm interested what me, Marie, we're going to see out of this uh, this year's challenge cup. It's, it's
1: You know, I don't think we can live up to to last year, you know, desperation breeds creativity and a lot of as as challenging as the bubble was and players have spoken about this as challenging as the bubble was. It lended itself to some high-quality memory, as you say. Yeah,
0: desperation, police, creativity was actually the the key pitch when I uh, proposed to my wife. So
1: okay, okay, yes.
0: I, I I applaud you. But there you have it. The predictions for the Challenge Cup. Uh, Of course, this will kick off uh, as you're listening to this. If you're listening to it as it comes out this Friday, that being Friday, April the 9th, we have our first two matches. So we've got Dash and we've got Dash hosting the Red Stars. 8.30 Eastern, that'll be on the CBS Network. Portland Thorns FC hosting Kansas City, named soon. 10.30 Eastern, that'll be on Paramount+. Plus and I don't know if they have a, that's basically CBS All Access, which is called Paramount Plus. It definitely looks like, it. The, the logo definitely looks like something that only has John Wayne movies, but it does have CBS programming in it. It will especially have the Challenge Cup. You have our word on that one. That's so. the Paramount Plus
1: guarantee? I, I i don't know. I have no confidence in what I just said. It's also available for international streaming on Twitch, like all NWSL content. So yeah, inaugural re- weekend, um, really excited about this let us know what you think yep.
0: awesome well, there you have it everyone this has been mike it's been nice to, to test these muscles again it's always exciting when it's challenge cup season
1: I, i've missed you i've missed talking football i've missed the listeners you know this is this is great
0: absolutely we're kicking off a great year for women's soccer and we're glad to be here every single step of the way and until all then thank you so much for joining us for this return episode of nwsl nation thanks again for listening i'm steve schwartzman i'm mike McPhee, and we will catch you next time